You're listening to Sarah Hagen backstage with interviews and insights from years inside the music industry. Join Sarah as she talks with masters of their crafts, finding out what makes them tick both inside and outside of the music business. Welcome to Sarah Hagen backstage. My guest today, Brendan Buckley, is known for his years of touring with amazing musicians such as Shakira and Morrissey, and he's also a first call session musician based out of LA. We are going to talk about his start in music, his touring experiences, his series Drummer Plus Drummer, and his love for the drumming community. So come along with me as I catch up with Brendan Buckley. Brendan, welcome to the podcast. Oh, thank you for inviting me. Thank you so much for being here. You are in a hotel room right now, right? On tour with Morrissey. I am. I am. Um, Thank you for accommodating me. I was trying to find a window of opportunity to do this. And uh, today we're in San Francisco. I have a day off. I just arrived here uh, via tour bus. And this seemed like an appropriate time to chat, catch up. And uh, I appreciate you phoning me. (laughs) Absolutely. We were just talking about modern technology and like the, you know, video through the pandemic and the Zoom calls and everything. And um, I started this podcast, Sarah Hagen backstage, thinking about the conversations that I would have with drummers backstage, right? During my my career in the uh, manufacturing side of the industry. Um, But it's funny because we now have the Zoom conversations like from the hotel or from backstage when you're backstage and I'm here kind of thing, but, um, but it works. It still works. Still the same conversation, right? We're still communicating. Yeah. We, we are. Um, I just got back from PASIC and there, I have to say one of my favorite PASIC moments was with you. We were going to dinner, this big, you know, industry dinner. We were waiting for an Uber. And I don't know if you remember this. I do. Remember this? Yeah. Okay. Yeah. So, so the Uber pulls up, PASIC happens in November, which is, you know, month before uh, Christmas and the, the Uber pulls up and this guy gets out and he is basically Santa Claus. That's right. Right? Like (laughs) in the flesh. Yes. Pretty (laughs) sure the real Santa Claus. It was was incredible. He was dressed as Santa and he had like the vehicle was like red and he was just like, ho, ho, ho. And he was literally like the Uber Santa. Yeah. Um, now, now we know what he does those other 364 <laughs> days a year. Right. Right. It was the best thing. I don't know. I mean, it made me so happy because it was just like the funnest situation. Like, this is great. This guy drives an Uber as Santa Claus and was totally in character the whole time. And yeah. It was it was fantastic. So anyway. we were so lucky. We were so lucky to have him. You, we right? could have gotten any other Uber driver, but we got Santa that night. Any anyone, and I feel like I have that Uber situation where I I have had a, many like different kinds of Ubers. Obviously, if you take an Uber a lot, you'll have different situations. But like one time, I was picked up in a self driving um, Tesla, which was super cool. And I think I asked the guy like 7,000 questions about it. Mm-hmm. <laughs> like, but it's it's those situations where you're like, okay, this is unique. This is a unique so, experience. So there was a guy in the car, but it was hands off. He just let the yes. car drive itself. Wow. Yes. And he didn't say anything. So I got in and we started driving. And then I noticed this really big, you know, I was like, oh, cool. This is a Tesla. It was interesting. And there was a screen, a big screen up in, you know, between the 
driver and passenger seats um, up front and at the dashboard, but it was like really big. It was like a laptop screen. And I could see all these like car, like little figures drive. And I was like, what is that? It would look like a video game. What is this guy doing? And then I realized his hands were not on the wheel. And I was just like, wait a minute, sir. <laughs> Are you, are you driving this vehicle or is this like one of those self-drive? He was like, oh no, it drives itself. And, and then I was just like, okay, how, and what is this? And what is the screen? And what are you looking at? And how far do you have to keep your hands? Cause you have to keep your hands like close to the steering wheel. So uh, anyway, it was a, it was an education. It was great. Uh, the future is here. Right. Right. There you go. So anyway, that was my basic Brendan Buckley story. That was uh fun times. That was fun times. That was a good weekend in general. It was. It always is. This past this past PASIC was really fantastic, too. Cool. It was a great, great experience. Um, but okay, enough about that. I want to hear about you. And I kind of want to start at the beginning, really, because I don't know a lot about your start in music and drumming and all of that. And I would love to hear how you got into it. Mm -hmm. Like from the beginning, beginning, like childhood yeah, stories like or? Absolutely. Like what, what, what triggered you to be like, I have to play drums? Yeah. Um, well, I grew up in New Jersey and when I was going to school, elementary school, I had lots of different passions. Like most kids do. I played baseball, I skateboarded, uh, I did all sorts of things, but I also liked being in the band. So I played trumpet and I took piano lessons and I liked music. Um, and then I remember there being a white, no name, five piece drum set in the back of the band room that no one was using. Mm -hmm. And I'm like, what's that doing there? So I would come down. I remember during lunch periods, I would eat a quick lunch and then go down to the band room and play beats on this kit. I was probably in seventh grade at that point. Kind of beats, you know? And this was also the era of, uh, heavy metal on MTV. So I used to watch mm -hmm. lots of MTV and look at drummers like Alex Van Halen and try to imitate, you know, where does he cross his hands and how does he do his fills, things like that. And I just fell in love with the drums and uh, no offense to trumpet, but I said goodbye to trumpet. And I said, I am from this point on, I am a drummer. So, and that became my number one hobby when I was about 14, 15 years old. That's all I wanted to do. And um, yeah, uh, about, I think I was 15 when my band director, uh, who was teaching concert band and jazz band at my school in New Jersey, he said, I'm going to hook you up with a drum teacher and his name's Tommy Igo. So, so Tommy used to come to my school on Wednesdays and teach drum lessons to all the kids there. And I was wow. so fortunate that, that, that he happened to just be a friend of my band director. Oh my so gosh. I used to take uh, an hour lesson with him that started to becoming an hour and a half to two hours, two and a half hours. We would just go on forever. So from my ages of 16, 17, 18, I used to take lessons with him once a week. Or if for some reason he had to go out of town, uh, I'd drive over to his dad's house, who was Sunny Igo, and I would take lessons with him. So I, I was really lucky to have that opportunity it was more like a crash course than anything else because they he just bombarded me with info yes. um and i tried to digest it as quickly as i could 
And when I turned 18, I decided to go to music school, a conservatory. So I auditioned to a, a bunch of different places around the country. And I chose the University of, My University of Miami in Florida. I drove down there and went to that school. It's now called Frost School of Music. Um, I had great classmates there, great teachers, Steve Rucker. I'm still good friends with him. And that is... That's kind of like the the beginning. That's how it all started, mm -hmm. at least. That's fantastic. I, I didn't know that Tommy was your teacher and, and Sonny as well. And and Tommy is like, I mean, he's such an amazing teacher. Um, and he's so tough. Was he tough? Was he a tough teacher for you? Like I I think of him as being like, um, um, I don't know what the like he's he's um like tough love. You know what I mean? Like, I guess that's the, that's the word, that's the term I'm thinking of. Yeah. Uh, yeah. It's like, uh, I, I got to know him really well and he, there's yeah. a side of him that's really passionate and demanding and yes. there's a side of him that's, you know, a puppy dog. So, uh, yeah. uh, but, and like, but and uh, I remember when that movie, um, what was that jazz drum movie that came out a couple of years ago? Um, oh, uh, Whiplash. When Whiplash came out. Yes. And the week it came out, Tommy sent me a text and he's like, does this look familiar? <laughs> <laughs> Meaning like, you know, the tough love thing. I'm like, yeah, yes. no problem. And, but right. But like, but you know, and I have never seen that movie. So, but I, but I know like the gist of it, but um, I just think of Tommy, like he's, he's, he really expects the most out of his students. Right. And like, but he also like cares so much too. Like, it's just, there's that, there's that like love and care for you as a human as, as he's teaching you. Um, yeah. I mean, great. I, I was 15, 16 at the time. So yeah. it's been a long time since I took lessons with him. So yeah. I'm not sure if he's changed his teaching methods over the years, but yeah. at the time, yeah, he was, um, he was very, demanding and uh but what he would tell me is he was only that demanding on the people that he knew he could he could push that hard he said i could tell that i could push you so i pushed yeah. you other yes. people i would have to you know take the pedal the the foot off the the gas pedal a little bit because i knew those people couldn't handle the intensity but for some That's reason he yeah. he and i he and i kind of gelled where i was like yeah give me more stuff and he go all right i'll yes. challenge you even harder and i think we we got along well that way, you know. That's great. Yeah, yeah. He's, he's, he was great. That's that's amazing. Um, and so then after after university, um, was there a transition time, or did you jump right into like playing as a as a career kind of thing? What happened then? You know what I um, I think one of the benefits of me choosing Miami as a school to study music was I would go take classes in the day. Uh, and then at night I would either go to the practice room and shed all night, or I would just go out to clubs and watch other great drummers play or eventually start doing gigs myself. So I was already gigging several nights a week as a freshman there. And then by the time I was a junior, I was already, I, already, I was already touring with different acts and, uh, thinking that I might not even be able to finish my, my degree here because I'm really busy. So I think that's a, a benefit to going to a music school that's in a city where there's a vibrant music scene mm -hmm. because it, it, the transition is a little smoother as opposed to studying for four years, getting out and saying, okay, 
now I must switch from amateur to professional or, Mm-hmm. Uh, it was much, much more gradual for me. And, um, there was no one moment where it happened. No, oh, that's great. That's so great. And I think about like the diversity in Miami and the styles of playing and the music and all of that. And it, um, and you have like a very, very diverse playing style as well. I've seen you play different styles of music. Um, were you into different things growing up? Like you mentioned metal, um, but I've, and I've seen you post about, uh, Brian Blade and his influence on you. Right. Um, oh, yeah. so what were you listening to? Like, who were your influences growing up? Uh, well, I think my parents loved music. So they had a big vinyl collection mm-hmm. and that spanned from, uh, things like Motown, um, Frank Sinatra, um, the Beatles, uh, disco they had they had everything so um i i had everything from i guess 1940 to 1970s uh covered with my parents and the 80s was more uh the music that i started to fall in love with um heavy metal hardcore punk rock new wave bands like that um and uh that was when i started to really like find the music that i loved and and then p- by the time I became uh, a teenager, I started listening to drummers uh, as opposed to bands. I would listen to, oh, you got to check out this band because it has a cool drummer. You got to check out this band because it has a cool drummer. So that meant either Buddy Rich, Neil Peart, Philly Joe Jones, Tony Williams, Dave Weckl, Vinnie Caliuta. I was listening more to drummers than bands, you know, right. probably, probably by the time I was 17, 18, Dennis Chambers. <sighs> Like all these guys just blew me away. And that led me right into going to music school and then trying to study these amazing drummers and, you know, their vocabulary, their, their styles. Um, yeah. And then uh, I think what was interesting was when I graduated from college and started playing a lot of gigs, it went back to learning more things like songs, bands, styles, producers, tones, so I got a little bit out of obsessing over drummers and more just get, getting back into music and how how drums function within music. And um, yeah, it was just like a nice arc. Yeah, that, that's not, that sounds great. And you, um, you know, talking about drummers functioning in music, I think one of the interesting things that I learned recently about you was I, you know, when I, when I met you, you were playing with Shakira mm-hmm. and, but I didn't know that you were also like writing and producing with Shakira, um, mm-hmm. which is so amazing. And I just am wondering, like, how did you get into that? And is that something that you, um, you know, studied when you went to university? Was it, what was your, what did you end up, um, like, what was your degree? And then how did that translate into that? Well, I definitely did not get a degree in composition. I, right. I, I went to school to study music education and jazz performance. I double majored in those two things. So I was mm-hmm. certified to be a high school band director if I wanted to be, mm-hmm. or uh, but I also played a lot of drum set. But Miami was cool because you can study anything. You just basically yeah. went down uh, every year and signed up for a bunch of courses. I want to take African djembe class and I want to take uh, timpani and I want to take fusion and you they, the teachers would just say cool as much as you want so I, okay. I I 
I was a sponge there and I, I soaked up everything, but I did take arranging, orchestration, composition, all these other music theory, a lot of music theory classes. I took a lot of conducting classes. Mm. So mm -hmm. I think all those things just, whether I knew it or not, they were kind of keeping me well-rounded. And then when you're living in an apartment with other musicians, which I did, all of my roommates were always musicians. So there, were, there would be basses and saxophones and guitars laying around all the time. So you mm -hmm. can't help but pick them up and start fiddling around with them and asking questions like, how do you do this lick? Or how do you play this chord? That helped. And also being in bands, a lot of original bands where everyone wants to contribute either to a section of the song or an arrangement of the song or even write the song or write the lyrics to a song. I think if you have those kinds of safe spaces where you're allowed to have input and allowed to uh, you know, give your two cents, that's, that's a good um, kind of a launching pad to, to, get, to gain the confidence uh, to have an opinion in the studio or have an opinion when making an album. Mm -hmm. um, and yeah, so I think all that just led into the idea that, you know, I, I think when you're making an album, you can be very helpful in many different ways. You can either mm -hmm. just show up and you can play beats and get out. That was helpful. Or you can stay around and help out play some percussion at the end, or you can uh, maybe help, encourage the singer, maybe you should do this harmony or maybe this would be a great lyric or you can help with the sounds. Oh, you know, my, my, what might be cool here is a guitar tone that does this. And next thing you know, you're co-producing the album. You didn't intend that. You were just hanging out and helping. Mm -hmm. And people say, hey, I like having you around. Maybe you can co-write a couple songs on my next album or maybe you can help me co-produce my next record. So I never really thought of myself as that's that's the career trajectory. It's I'm still a drummer. I still love the drums. That's mm -hmm. my number one objective all the time. But when I'm making music with other people, I just want it to be as good as it can be. So if that means closing my mouth and getting out, <laughs> that would help. I'll do that. Mm -hmm. If that means they want encouragement or direction, I'll I'll do that also. So that led me to co-write and produce on different people's albums. And um, it's fun. Yeah. And it seems like um, it's not a case of you being in the right place at the right time, but you putting yourself in the right place at the right time and like knowing when to speak up and when to be helpful, right? Or when to sit back and like do what you do. That sounds right. Yeah. That's, uh, yeah. Sorry. I'm just interpreting <laughs> some advice there, but, but it, um, yeah, it just sounds like, you know, you are very intuitive about what the the artist that you're working with needs from you, basically. Yeah, every situation is different. Mm -hmm. Sometimes someone wants you to come in and just play the beats that are on the albums mm -hmm. or the demos. They'll say like, hey, here's here's the songs to learn. Learn them, come in, play, get out. Mm -hmm. Cool. I know what yeah. that job is. Sometimes Absolutely. people want a lot of input, a lot of creativity. What mm -hmm. do you think? What would you do? And mm -hmm. if you have that attitude, like, I don't know, I'm just here to play beats and get out. Maybe right. that's not the right thing. They actually want more. They're like, yeah. you know, we're not, we don't really love this arrangement or we don't love the groove. So what would you do differently? And then you should have some ideas ready. Yeah. I always think when I'm learning uh, material, either for a tour or for an album or anything, I always think I should have a couple extra ideas ready in case they ask for them, you know? I like that. 
Yeah, that's that's great. And um, so with Shakira, you have had some really great, like big playing opportunities. And I'm just wondering, like, what what are some of them that like were really big for you that were that were like memorable? Uh, I feel like they're all a blur now. Yeah. But uh, no, I, I, I more than anything, I feel super uh, grateful because mm -hmm. I. I got to play with her for more than 20 years. Um, still plan on playing more gigs with her, but but we don't have anything on the books right now. Mm -hmm. uh, and we've been everywhere. So I feel like one of the biggest memories is just watching her career grow and me getting to visit all these different countries that I never thought I'd ever go to, you know. Uh, we, we've been everywhere. So that was fun. Um, it was a great education for me. Um, but specific memories for shows, I don't know. Uh, we did a gig once in the Apollo Theater uh, for Bill Clinton and U2. And they were hanging out there and they came up on stage. And we did all these hugs and Chris Rock yeah. was there. And I thought that was pretty wild. I'm like, what's going on? This is weird. I remember playing MSG once, Madison Square Garden, which mm -hmm. was, uh, it's in New York City. and I grew up in New Jersey and as a music lover, I saw dozens and dozens of shows there myself. So to play that stage, to invite my parents, to put them in the front row. And I think I remember um, for that show, I took a Sharpie and I wrote like, hi mom on all of my drums Aww. and uh, with hearts around them. And then asked the, um, the video, the video guy, if he can uh, do a shot over my shoulder and put it up on the big screen. So I did that for my mom and she was, so you know, sweet. slightly so touched. Sweet. Yeah. Just know. a little bit, right? Just, just a little bit. Amazing. Tough love. My mom's right? Korean. She, she's, <laughs> she doesn't wear it on her sleeve, but uh, I, think, no, I think I got I'm sure to her. That brought a tear to her eye though. That's sweet. Yeah. Love that. So um, that that was a nice memory, but I don't know. They're all, yeah. I, to be honest, this, all the gigs that, are great. I like, yeah, I like and plenty I of drums. Yeah. yeah, and I know that's a tough question too. When like, like you said, you mentioned I, I don't really know, but then you mentioned like you two and Bill Clinton and Chris Rock on the same stage. And I think when you've had a lot of those kinds of experiences or enough of them, like it, you're like, did that really happen? Was that my life? Right? Like what? But, also, I, there's a part of like there's this mindset that I have where I don't treat things special. I don't right. treat things uh, like more important than something else. So sure. if a friend of mine says, hey, would you like to accompany me on Cajon at a coffee shop on Friday? I will treat that the same way that I treat, you know, playing at the Grammys. It's like the same, I, mm -hmm. for my own mentality, I say nothing is different mm -hmm. than, nothing is more important than something else. You just, sure. we're going to play music now. That is part of how I never get nervous because I never treat a gig like it's more important. Like, oh, this is a big one. There's gonna be a lot of important people there. I don't think that I'm like, I have a show on Thursday. I have a show on Friday. I have a show on Saturday. They're all shows. I'm going to go play and and that's it. And I think that's why when I think back, I, I have a hard time thinking about shows being special or standing out because mm -hmm. I enjoyed all of them. They're all fun. I think shows that stand out for me are the ones where things go wrong and they're really right. funny and memorable. Like, Oh, remember that time where they're, whatever the, stage collapsed or when, I don't know, those things stick out more than right, a right. place 
a place or, a, you know, I don't know, an event. Mm-hmm. I understand. I totally get that. Um, but you mentioned, you know, being all traveling all over the world and, um, and I think that's, it's such a blessing, I think, as far as growth goes to be able to see new places and experience people and culture and all of that. Um, I, I always think like you can't go to a new country or a new place and not come home different, right? Like somehow Mm -hmm. different, somehow changed, somehow with like more knowledge or understanding or something like that. So yeah, I think it's important to, to get out there. And, and that's one thing that, you know, um, touring outside of the U S kind of like, it's a gift basically, I think. Yeah, well, what I have found is that there are kind of two styles of touring musicians. There are the people that they do it begrudgingly. They never leave their hotels. They order just a club sandwich to their room and they go to the gig and they go back. And then there are the other people who they hit the ground running every new city. They go out, they walk, meet people, go to restaurants, museums, parks, uh, check out local bars, local bands. And I've, mm-hmm. as far as I can remember, I've always been the latter. I, I love going someplace. I love feeling like I'm a local for the amount of time I'm there, just doing things that feel, you know, whether it's, you know, Detroit or Beijing or whatever, I just want to land and say, okay, let me go find a cool spot to hang out, meet some people and and take some photos and get a breakfast or whatever. That's the way I travel. Mm -hmm. So therefore, I do believe that I learned a lot. I grew a lot through that. I don't know. Some people can go out for a month, come back and not see anything. So it's a different style. Really good. That's a really, really good point. There are definitely two mindsets to that. (laughs) And, and, um, and I do, I see your posts and I see that you're out there and, you know, experiencing things all the time. And I like that too. I like to, you know, eat local and local foods and try like, what are the things that people eat here instead of, you know, the eating American food in wherever I am. Um, it's, it's nice to like, just, try something new and meet new people. And I've experienced, um, you know, I can remember an event that I was at in South Korea where I was at a table where no one spoke English except for me. And I did not speak Korean and, you know, we were having dinner together and communicating, like we were Mm -hmm. able to still communicate. And that, that kind of experience I think is changing, you know, it's, I agree. I agree. It's, it's, a it's a, human human trait that we want to communicate with others you know so yeah you can pop yourself in another country and people want to express something to each other and that's a nice thing to share right people will find a way they always Mm -hmm. will um and so now like being out with morrissey and it's like i'm sure totally different vibe on stage and i you know the the interesting thing the thing that strikes me about morrissey is always uh the lyrics I love the music, but I'm a big lyric person. And that kind of like pulls me toward a musician or a band. Um, And I love that you post when you post, you know, show pictures or whatever. There's always a quote there. And Uh, that always strikes me. Yeah, you're right. He he 
probably is my favorite lyricist uh, out of all the music that I listen to. So, and um, I don't know. I have a love-hate relationship with social media in the first place, but yeah. I, 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 there's something incredibly narcissistic and egotistical about social media in general. So I try to battle that by putting barriers everywhere. And so one of the things is I, if I do that, I, I put someone else's words instead of my own words. <laughs> I'll put his words as opposed to check me out on the stage of blah, blah, blah. That's one thing I could say, or I can just put a lyric from his music that night. And I'm like, that's much better. I like that better. And, um, I try no. to have as few me's, I's, uh, and all those words in anything I, I write about. I always try to make it, if I can, try to make it more about something else or some other people or some other event or mm -hmm. this is who I'm sharing time with today or this is where I am today, but it's not just me, 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 me. So I think maybe, maybe I subconsciously do that thing you said with the lyrics just because it makes me feel like I'm sharing, uh, you know, the group that I'm with, not sure. me personally. Sure, you're, sh you're sharing the music. Or the musicality yeah. of what you're, what you're doing, basically. Um, yeah. But it all, but it also kind of like fits with whatever photo you're posting. So it, it that is a talent that you have. I have to say, like that's that's pretty amazing, and to to be able to continue because I understand where you're saying, like social media. Um, I the love hate relationship. I get it. Uh, one hundred percent. It's a tough. Mm. It's a tough balance because it's like, okay, well, this is something that we have to do now. Um, do we like it all the time? Probably not, but it feels like to be able to be in a space with contemporaries, like you you have to be there on some level, but that's a good way. Yeah. That's a good take on it. And I do think that a lot of um, what you post in particular, the positive messages and thought-provoking posts, I think are great as well. So. Oh, yeah. thank you. Thank you for Absolutely. saying that. Yeah. I don't know. I don't, there's no rule book. There's no, yeah. we're just making it up as we go along. Right. And everyone has their own way of doing things. Right. Uh, so I'm not saying that someone else is doing it incorrectly, but you have to, I think you have to ask yourself, what is your comfort zone or what do you want to share? Like yes. what, what types of things do you want to throw out there into the universe? Yeah. You know? If yes. it's just selfies at the pool, then so be it. That's what right. I want to share. But, or if it's something else, something maybe motivational or something mm -hmm. funny or something thought provoking or beautiful or mm -hmm. anything, I try to lean more toward that stuff without sounding pretentious. But I feel like if I'm going to put anything out into the universe, this cluttered universe that we already have, maybe it should help somebody or, you know, yeah. either with a laugh or with a thought or with a smile. Absolutely. I, I agree with that too. I try to keep things positive and fun and, you know, as benign as possible, I guess, maybe is the right word. Um, it, while also like being encouraging of others and all of that, um, you know. And what I have like, learned in, it, it, I well, I have learned that people will Nowadays, they'll go to your Instagram or Facebook or TikTok or whatever, and they will check it out and they will decide that that's what you're like or that's who you are. Mm -hmm. So there have been several uh, jobs that I've done where the audition process was 
mostly based on my Instagram. Wow. Not that I'm an Instagram drummer, but I do it. Right. I, I do. I get together. I play four songs. I meet the artist. And then we're sitting down and like, hey, by the way, I, ch I went through all your social media and I love what you do. And I'm like, oh. yeah. so they do spy on you. Whether yeah. they, some, sometimes they don't admit it, but they'll check yeah. it out and they'll say, "Is this person an an irate uh, lunatic, or is this person, you know, yes, um, whatever?" Uh, and I mean, contrib contributing to society, they they look at those things and yes. they they make a selection through that too. So it is, in some ways, it's a resume. Like uh, twenty years ago, you would have a resume that you would give someone for a job or a, mm -hmm. a demo reel or something like that. Mm -hmm. And now they'll look at your Twitter account and say, you know, what is this person like? Do I want to be on a bus with this person? Do I want to be in a dressing room with this person or, or, um, uh, you know, share an airplane with this person? And they make judgments based on the type of person you are portraying yourself to be in some ways. Mm -hmm. Yeah. So it's, it's so, so true. I mean, I, um, you know, give advice sometimes to people who want you know, young people who want to be in the industry or want to, um, you know, make their way basically either on the mu music side or manufacturer side and, and be a rep and that kind of thing. But I'm always like, check your social media, make sure that you're not putting anything out there that people could construe as negative or inappropriate or you know like that kind of thing if that's the direction you want to go in exactly um, there's if you want to be that person go for right. it yeah you want to be controversial go for it button go pushing it. Yeah. go for it but realize people will think that's the person they're going to be hiring also i'm going to yeah. be hiring this controversial button pusher and which is fine if that's who you are and that's who you want to be right but if you don't really like if you think, well, I just, that was just one thing. I'm not really like that. Then be careful. That's all. Yeah. Yeah. And pe people, people watch, people pay attention. They, you know, analyze, like you just said, they will, they will think that's you. And, you know, I remind myself often that you, people's persona on Instagram in particular is not real, you know, mm -hmm. and, and it's, or a lot of the time it's not real, but, um, you know, it's, it is interesting, the dynamic. And that's why I said, like, we have to do it because you you're getting work from it, right? And you're you're hearing from people that they are checking up on what you're doing there. Um, but it is a balancing act, I think. I think it really is. Yeah, I mean, I would say that you don't have to do it. I wouldn't say that everyone must do it, but right. it is a way of it's a way of proving to the community that you exist. Right, which is, right. it, you know, so if you want to, I have some friends who don't have social media accounts and they work a ton, sure. but they are anomalies. They're so talented that they don't need it. I but, agree. Uh, but for most people, if you want to just, it's, there's this out of sight, out of mind thing that happens in show business where if mm -hmm. they don't, they don't even think of you or they don't remember you, they think, mm -hmm. where did, does that guy even play music anymore? Right. <laughs> so it's just a way of existing. I mean, reminding people that you are still alive and that yeah. you exist and you have a heartbeat. And so in that way, it is, uh, I don't, I don't want to say necessary, but it is useful. Yeah. Yes. Useful is a good word. I like that. Um, and one thing that you did, and I, I think you started this during the pandemic, but correct me if I'm wrong, but, um, the posting the drummer plus drummer videos, was that something you started during the pandemic? 
That was, that was my pandemic project. Yes. Some people baked sourdough and that's what I did. Yeah. The other drummers that you were, that you're playing with on those videos, if anyone ha listening hasn't seen those, check them out. Drummer plus drummer. They're so great. And you have like, you know, top drummers playing with you and collaborating and, you know, it's so good. Thank you very much. Yeah. I mean, I, well, there's, there's a lot I could say about that, but I mean, I basically just wanted to do it with friends. Mm -hmm. I didn't think to myself, I want to do something that's a project where I get the most famous drummers in the world. And mm -hmm. I do this. It was just something that I have friends who are really talented and they have recording setups at their studios or their houses or something. So that was my, my initial idea was, man, you have a studio, you sound great we should do a little duet and then like mm -hmm. one minute long and put it on the internet. And it started with that. And everyone I, I selected, I curated basically was just someone that I, I love their drumming and I'm already friends with them and mm -hmm. they have some kind of recording set up. So, um, yeah, that's, that's how it all started. I wanted to be as easy for the other person as possible. So I'm not burdening them. And, uh, and I just wanted to be, fun and musical and it's kind of like a love letter to the the drum community. I wanted to do something where I could put it out and and show people how fun drumming is and how great these other people are and how musical these other drummers are. Yes. Yeah, and it and it looked like so much fun too. It looks like so much fun I should say because um you know, I I just I hope you just keep doing them because, you know, it was, it's one of those things during the pandemic, we all needed to kind of keep in touch with each other, keep playing, keep updated. And that's, that's actually why I started the podcast too. And I never really thought like it would continue. It was more like, let me keep in touch with my friends and promote what they do have going on. Um, and, and also talk about, we talked a lot during the pandemic about the pandemic and how everybody was feeling and all of those things. So, um, you know, it is those kinds of things, I think, pulled us all through just seeing each other, even if it was virtual. Yeah, I think I wanted to do something creative. Mm -hmm. I've, I felt, uh, you know, during the lockdown, I felt a little stagnant. Uh, mm -hmm. You know, if you're someone who's just making music every day and it stops, I wanted to do something musical. And there are already so many good podcasts out there like yours and <laughs> others. So I'm like, I can't do another podcast. There's so many good mm -hmm. ones already. So that's I can't. That was my little idea. Was I'll do something without any talking. I talk so much anyway. I'm such a blabbermouth <laughs> that I'll do something that has no talking, and that'll be my my own way of doing it. And um, yeah, for the first year, I I made a goal to do 50 in a row once a week. So I did 50 every Monday, and I kept to that schedule. And it was challenging sometimes to try to squeeze those out, but I I did that. And now that I'm here working all the time, I do one a month. And that's, that's great. the schedule I'm on now. Yeah, but it's, it's so great. They're still doing them because it's, you know, it's something that I enjoyed watching and still enjoy. And if, again, if anyone hasn't checked them out, check them out. They're so good. Uh, I love the Kenny Aronoff one. Um, Man. Yeah, it was, he's, he's great. Kenny's a, yeah. Kenny's got so much energy and I bumped into him once at a party. He's like, man, we got to do one of those together. I'm like, would you? He's like, yeah, I'm going to send you something. I'm going to send you something on Monday. Yeah, we're, we're gonna do it and i'm like all right cool let's do it yeah i'm i'm honored that like i mean come on i mean all of my i don't i never like like we we're talking about shows earlier i never make one guest 
more important than the other. Every one of them is is equally important to me. Mm-hmm. But just the fact that some of them were even interested, I was like, I had no idea Greg Bissonette or Benny Greb or Kenny Aronoff or Terry Bozier would even be interested in doing it, you know? So uh, Kurt Biscara, I was like, wow, thanks yeah. guys. So, I mean, yeah. that's, like, that's the best thing. And by the way, that was an awesome Kenny impersonation too. That's exactly <laughs> his energy. Um, yeah. But the thing is like, I always think about, um, as you said, not making anyone more important than anyone else, but you think about some of the superstars and you think that they have this, this existence that is different than ours. But in reality, the drumming thing is so, it binds us all together so closely that people, you know, I, I saw Greg Bissonette last week at PASIC and I did a drum set panel discussion with him. And we were talking about how things have changed since the pandemic and things that we kind of held on to um, that the change for. So things we liked about the change and then things that we wanted to go back to and that kind of thing. Um, And Greg was so funny. He said, you know, before the pandemic, I didn't have time to really check out other drummers all the time. And in the pandemic, I'm watching YouTube and I'm getting this work coming in. And I said, I got this request to, you know, play this like JD Beck, this remote recording work. And he, he said, I got, I get this thing. And I'm like, I don't know how to do that. So I, he said, so I Googled it, play like JD Beck, you know? And, and he's like, and then I see like, this is how you do it. And this is JD. And, and he's a big fan. And I'm thinking like, you know, the, the guys that we all think of as being like just so untouchable kind of thing or, or different or it, everyone is so paying attention to everybody else and not out of a, I'm paying attention to that person because they might take my job. I'm paying attention to that person because they're doing something different or I like what they're doing or I might want to try that. Like that's the atmosphere and that about the drumming community is so incredible. Yeah, it is very special. Um, I, I, I'm going to assume that most of the people that watch your show are drummers, so they already know this. But anyone who's not a drummer who's watching your show must know that drummers are weird. And we like each other, and we like hanging out with each other a lot in a, mm-hmm. we, in a very weird way. You put yeah. five drummers together, and we'll just be hanging out. We'll go get a meal together. We'll go... We just hang out in these bunches, which is why places like PASIC or the NAMM show are just drummers everywhere. Yes. Drummers just dig other drummers and like the, the camaraderie of it. I feel like mm-hmm. a strong camaraderie amongst other drummers. And even ones that I think that guy would never like me or that guy, he's different style of music or different generation. And, you know, hour later, you're best buddies and you're hanging out. Yes. I mean, even that dinner that we went to together, you that we were with Santa and everything. That yes. dinner, I mean, uh, I got to just hang out all night with um, Giovanni Hidalgo, yes. Antonio Sanchez, Daphne Prieto. I'm just hanging out with those guys, and I'm thinking these guys are freaking legends at what they do. And we're just all, you know, having pasta and joking around. And yes. I mean, the night before, we went out with uh, Stanton Moore and Ash Sohn, and I'm like, mm-hmm. this is great. Drummers are just great. <laughs> I'm, I, I'm, yeah. I, I feel very lucky to have chosen this instrument, no offense to, you know, trombonists or, or, you know, uh, oboes or something, but (laughs) I feel like there's something that's really communal about drummers 
that mm. we love talking about drums. We like hanging out with one another. We like sharing stories. And, um, it's nice. And Greg Bissonette is probably one of the greatest people in the planet. So that needs to be yeah. said. He's just what? a sweetheart. Oh my gosh. I introduced him on this panel as one of the nicest people that has ever existed. I'm pretty sure. Genuine too. Not yes. like showbiz nice, mm -hmm. like genuinely nice. Yes. Like, wow. He's just a great human being and wonderful to be around. You know, it's just. And I've had these experiences over and over again with people mm -hmm. that I respect their careers, respect their drumming. Mm -hmm. uh, and then I meet them and then I am even more blown away by the person they are than anything else they did prior to that. Yes. You know, I adore Greg. I, I adore Benny Greb. And mm -hmm. I, the first time I met him, we, we just chatted about life for like two and a half hours. And I'm like, man, this guy's a deep soul. I love this guy. And, and so many people I meet like that, that they're way deeper than, um, than I initially thought. And then, um, I just wind up just really, really, connecting with them. Yeah, it's amazing. It is amazing. And I, I you know, I, I say it too much probably, but it's like this big family and everybody just clicks and takes care of each other. You know, maybe it's even better sometimes than, than family, but like, but yeah. it's, it's beautiful. It's a beautiful relationship. And um, I don't find that in a lot of other other situations. I just, you know, there's not a, obviously there's competition everywhere, but it's not like that. Somehow it's just not. Um, there's, it's not, you know, if you want to know like how so-and-so played something that they played on blah, 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 they're going to show you and, and explain it and share. Um, and there's no real, like, uh, you know, weird feeling about that. It's not like, no, this is mine and you can't have it. It's like, yes, share with me. Let me help you. Let me help you get better. And then you'll help me in this way, you know, and it's just a, it's beautiful. Yeah. I'd like to think that everyone's like that. I'm not sure if everyone's like that, but I think, I mean, everyone that I'm in contact with is like that. And right. uh, I live in Los Angeles mm -hmm. and Los Angeles is a hub of just countless, countless fantastic drummers, like yeah. the top of the top. And um, and I, I've explained this to other people. It's strange that most of my best friends are also my competitors. Yes. And because I'm a freelance drummer, mm -hmm. I must I I get jobs through recommendations or auditions or whatever. And there are often times where they're considering for a, a tour or an album, they're considering me and two of my best friends. Mm -hmm. And I have to think, well, either I get this job or that guy gets this job or that guy gets this job. And whatever happens, all three of us are go, go get, go, going to go get a cup of coffee the next morning and hang out, which is weird. Absolutely. They're, yes. they're, they are my best friends and my enemies at the same time. But yes. it doesn't feel that way because because of, like you said, the su support system. The right, support right. system is if you get a job and you're busy, then it's kind of like an unsaid thing that you're going to pass on work to the people who didn't get selected for that mm -hmm. job. You're mm -hmm. like, Oh, I get, I get this tour, but all the work that I get called for, for the rest of the month, I'm going to give to this guy. And if he can't do it, he's going to give it to this guy. He's going to give it to this guy. So we try to keep food on the table for everyone, you know? Absolutely. Yeah. Share and, you know, be, be helpful, recommend, recommending people that you believe in. Right. And that kind of thing. It's, it is, it's pretty incredible.
Um, I, I don't want to forget to ask you also about um, your other passions, because I, I see how passionate you are about music and drumming, of course, but I also see you post a lot about Brazilian jiu-jitsu and seeing you um, have the opportunity to keep you know, doing that on the road, that must be a huge thing for you too, to have something else that you're doing and you're able to do it as you travel. Because I know that that community, I guess I'm relating that to the drumming community because that community seems really uh, supportive of each other and welcoming. It is, it is. I've done a lot of martial arts over the years and I found that the Brazilian jiu-jitsu people are the most like drummers. Mm. <laughs> it's It's like, it's a very similar community where you, the second you tell them you do jujitsu, they're like, "Ah, oh, my brother, you're, yes. you're in this community," and uh, and it's a lot of it's a lot of hard work, it's a lot of com competition, and it's a lot of healthy competition, mm -hmm. and uh, it's a lot of motivation, and um, it's been a good thing for me to do something outside of music because a lot of musicians can suffer from burnout. Mm -hmm. where they, they put so much time and so much effort into something that sometimes they just get disheartened with the business or with a result or with a lull or a plateau or something. So it's kind of good for your mental health to do something outside of your main job mm -hmm. that, you, that you don't have to be number one. You don't have to worry about failing. You just have to show up. Right. To show up and do that activity. That could be yoga, that could be cycling, that could be mountain climbing, it could be cooking, whatever. But you right. should, maybe you have your career and your passion that you focus on and you do everything and you're intense with, and then maybe have a secondary thing that you can do, but you're allowed to fail. You're allowed right. to suck. And, but you could still love it and put a lot of time into it, but you don't have to worry if you're not number one. Mm. Um, and that, I think jujitsu has... Uh, fill that void for me and serve that uh, purpose where I do it a lot. Uh, it's very challenging. It's very motivational and it's very community oriented. Uh, but I don't have to worry about, you know, winning a gold medal every year. I can just show up and do it. And that's enough. Yeah. And that's, and that's important too. I think to have an outlet that is creative, if you're a creative person, I mean, you're, you are, you know, it's an art form really, but you, it's all, it's a lot of strategy and a lot of discipline and a lot of, um, anticipating the next move. Um, yeah. For people know. who don't know what jujitsu looks like, it's, it's, it's kind of like a combination of wrestling and, uh, judo and submission grappling. So it's a lot of, uh, attacking people, not a lot of punches or kicks, but a lot mm -hmm. of, uh, choking and arm bars and, you know, tackling people, things like that. And the moves are endless. They call it chess because everything is determined. Uh, you know, you, you, it's a action reaction thing. So mm -hmm. your opponent does something and you have a list of options that you're supposed to go through in your Rolodex of your brain, depending on what's happening and counter and counter, 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 until someone gets an advantage. And it is a lot. You're, uh, when you're, when the class is over, uh, you're not only you're tired, but your brain is spinning with all of these options of what went well, what didn't go well. And it's, it's, it's really good for your, for your brain. Right. It's a mental workout as well. Right. Yeah. Yeah. No, that's so great. And, um, 
I'm just, you know, I'm always interested when someone is is really into something else that, you know, it's totally different than music and drumming, but it's still, it still has its similarities. And it, and it it seems like, again, with the community and everything, it's just like a, a nice, um, like, other thing that you have that's that's yours and that you can put your time into i guess so um and all, and also i feel i feel like i don't mean to cut you off but i yeah, feel like um with most of my best friends i talk more with them about things outside of drumming than i do drumming you know i don't get together with my drummer friends all the time and say mm -hmm. so birch or maple you know we don't <laughs> do that very often right, it's right. more like uh you know, have you tried that restaurant over there? That's pretty good. And did you see right. uh, Wakanda Forever? And uh, right. <laughs> these are, these are the kind of things we- Right, that kind of yeah. thing. Yeah. And then, and then your hobbies and man, you've been doing a lot of uh, whatever, uh, surfing lately. How's that going? Mm -hmm. and mm -hmm. if those are the kind of things you want to talk to with people, not like, um, yeah, uh, you know, what is your spring tension on your bass drum pedal? I mean, <laughs> yeah, we, we do- or the question, right? Heal up or heal down? I always heal up, them. heal down. Heal up, heal beat down. Beat in, beat her off. You know, yes. you know. I think, yes, yes. Drummers talk about that too, but not mm -hmm. only that. It's more enjoyable to have a conversation about things outside of that, and then to just pepper those things in when you need to. You know. Yes, that's so great. It's it's really yeah. important. Um, so yeah, I, I don't want to leave without asking. Um, what is on the horizon for you? I know you're on this tour currently, um, and that lasts through, is that through the end of the year? Yeah, it's, uh, where this is, I don't know when this is coming out, but uh, I have dates up until December, 2022. Mm -hmm. And then in January, we're flying to France to record a new record um, uh, for, it should be, which is kind of cool. We're going to this studio uh, uh, for what could be, maybe one or two months and uh, writing it, writing and recording a new record with Morrissey. Uh, that'll be fun. And then he has a bunch of dates that he wants to add to the calendar in 2023. So I, ha I don't know if they've been released yet, but they're, I just get copied in emails where, what does your March look like? What does your April mm -hmm. look like? Things like mm -hmm. that. Yeah. Um, um, so that's on the horizon. Uh, but I, have a lot of music contacts. I have a lot of uh, relationships with a lot of different artists and musical directors. So I always try to make sure that I'm um, staying in touch with all the different projects, you know, that I work with. And mm -hmm. uh, so if so-and-so asks me, you know, what does your September, 2023 look like? I'm like, I'll, I'll try to do that tour too. So I, I tend to bounce around a lot uh, mm -hmm. if, anyone notices uh, sometimes even when I'm on tour, I'm off doing gigs with other tours in between on my off days. Yes. Uh, I, I just like to, maybe I'm a people pleaser. So maybe I, I like to, uh, if an MD calls me up and says, can you do these two shows? I'm like, I'll try, you know, mm -hmm. and I'll, I'll fly over and do those two shows for him. Uh, yeah, I'll probably be releasing uh, volume two of the drummer plus drummer recordings. I, I released the first batch on Spotify, Apple Music uh, last summer. So I'll, I have mm -hmm. another batch mastered and ready to go. So I'll release that maybe January, 2023. And uh, what else am I doing? Um, oh, well, I hope to do a follow-up with you, maybe volume two with you of Backstage. Yes, and, uh, absolutely, that would be great. Um, 
Yeah, what else? I have a bunch of recording projects uh, that I'm working on uh, with different different friends. You know, some, I don't want to say solo stuff, but more um, collaborations. I'm working on mm-hmm. different people. I hope they we finish them and we put them out. Um, uh, if I do, I'll let you know. And what else? Onward and upward, yes. surviving. Always, always. Yeah. We just have to. <laughs> mm-hmm. Oh, that's great. That's that's a great update. And I'll make sure that I link um, all of that information too and tour info in the description in the in the podcast show notes as well. So people can follow along and check out those Drummer Plus Drummer recordings because they're fantastic. Yeah. Thanks um, for saying that. They mean a lot to me. So thanks for saying that. Absolutely. Uh, yeah. And uh, I, I would say that uh, if anyone ever has any questions or wants to reach out to me, I'm I'm only an email or a direct message away. I, I I love talking to other drummers, so anything I can do to help, it's my pleasure. That's so great. That's that, that's such a great thing making yourself available to the community too. Um, thank you for that, and thanks for being my guest today. And I hope uh, to see you in person soon. I know we need to make that happen. Yes, we need another Uber ride, right? <laughs> <laughs> Who's it going to be this time? Not Santa, the you Easter Bunny. Easter Bunny. Yes, exactly. All right, Brandon, you take care and have fun with all the great stuff that you have coming up. Thank you. Thank you. Likewise. You got it. I'll talk to you soon. Mm-hmm. Thank you for tuning in today. Join us each Tuesday for new episodes of Sarah Hagen Backstage.